Hello, everybody. Welcome to I Disagree. I'm Jordan Coburn. And I'm Steve Shustick. Hello. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, oh, we're done? Okay. I thought there was going to be more jinxies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you, play that? did you play that game too when you were a kid? Jinxies? Yeah, jinxies. Jinxies? Did you call it jinxies? We just called it jinx. Cool. Me too. I just started calling it jinxies <laughs> right now. <laughs> but yes, jinx, you owe me a ham a sandwich. It's a punch, right? A punch? Yeah. So if, if you and I say the same word at the same time, one of us has to say jinx, and they go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And if I can get to ten before you can get to ten, then I get to punch you. Interesting. So then Slugbug, did you owe you a soda when you saw another bug? You mean... Uh, or did you if, also punch them? Yeah, if you saw a Volkswagen All Beetle... punch-related childhood games. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Much, much like the, uh, the the circle game. Are you familiar with the circle game? That's I am been, not familiar. That's been drawing a lot of controversy on social media and Reddit lately. Oh, no, lately. no, no. I'm familiar with the square game. What's the but, square game? Uh, it doesn't exist. Uh, well, the circle game does exist, but it has <laughs> recently been, um, I guess, co-opted by white supremacists, apparently. Oh. So the original game, when I, oh, was, when I when the original game was I was in school, is you'd make it like an OK sign with your oh. hand. But, oh. then you, but then you would put it somewhere like out of view, like down by like your pockets, and you would try yeah. to get your friend to inadvertently look at it. And if their eye caught the OK sign, then you're allowed to punch him. Yeah, Definitely. I I had that game also, but again, not with the punching. You had a <laughs> you, you had a very punch forward life That's, in the south. So you're saying you 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 recognize the existence of punch bugs, but you didn't punch. Slug well, slug slug bug was the only time that anybody ever punched each other with my friends. But that was with they witnessed a Volkswagen Beetle in the wild. Yes, and then even when anybody actually like did the punch, it was always kind of like, "Hey, you fucking dick!" No one was like, "Oh yeah, fair game, fair game." <laughs> no one, no one was ever like that. <laughs> oh, see, I don't like the rules they play by in Vegas. That's some bullshit. Y- y'all need to get on some Georgia rules, man. Like, there, there's as- honor amongst thieves. <laughs> so you're means. just you're just little eight year old kids with your floppy ass like rubber wrists, <laughs> just smacking each other. Eight. We were like nineteen. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. That's <laughs> eight, 19 years old playing slug bug. Just punching each other. Yeah. Just chugging Smirnoffs. <laughs> just punching <laughs> each other in the throat. <laughs> God. Why Smirnoffs? Horrifying. I don't know. It seems like what you do in college, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm Isn't old it? school. I remember like uh, clearly Canadian. You remember that? Oh, wait. No, that no. wasn't alcoholic. I'm thinking of Zima. You remember what? the Zima? No, that sounds like an acne medication. No, it was uh it was an alcoholic beverage. It was uh like clear and carbonated. Okay. And uh it was a hard seltzer kind of? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. It was a real hard treat for seltzer? the ladies. Yeah. Ooh, oh so it was nice and fruity. Yeah, yeah, they had different oh. flavors. Oh good. A ladies drink. I like that cutwater shit that you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like the mixed premixed spirits. Perfect. Hey, Amazing. we're not we're not sponsored yet, though, so oh, right, cut, right, wa- right. cut water spirits. You know. Cut water can eat my ass. Cut, oh, wait, cut, we still, cut we still can... want them to sponsor us. Hey. Yeah, but for now, they can eat our assholes. Cut water, fuck you, unless you want to pay us money. And then uh, we'll reveal the opinions that are overwhelmingly positive that we've already divulged about That's them. Right. But 
<laughs> but yeah, they're dope. <laughs> they are very. I actually went to their tasting room, and after they um, smacked me in the face with a bag of potatoes because they suck, they they served me delightful cocktails, and I I actually very much enjoyed that place. But then, like I said, um, they can still kiss my asshole. So, um, but yeah, I I think <laughs> I was always drinking. I drank vodka of the gods, which was Trader Joe's just giant jug of plastic vodka. It was uh, like bottom shelf Trader Joe's vodka. If you're bottom shelf at Trader Joe's is it really does not get any worse than that. And I and I used to play beer pong with vodka of the gods instead of just like natty light. It was just the worst hangovers, just most disgusting just so gross just in a dorm sad alone at a nerd school uc san diego no one fucking actually knows how to party so like one kid is like quadratic equation like in the other room and the rest of us were like shut the fuck up kevin we're trying to beast mode or whatever (laughs) it was just like (laughs) such a weird environment but yeah vodka of the gods was uh and 99 bananas Mm that's those were my go-to's your experience in college sounds exactly like when I transferred out of the political science program to the engineering program. It went from like, ah, when I was in poli sci, like everybody's partying, there's chicks everywhere. It was great. Then I, like, I transferred over to engineering. It's just like, no, you study for 12 hours a day. Yeah, dude. And, You're ex- and you will never see a vagina until you graduate. <laughs> You're unless you can construct one on your own, I guess, for a project. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> there's there were yeah. three girls in my engineering class. Three. Oh, that's fucked up. Dude, in poli sci it was probably like 60, 40 girls to guys. And then yeah. uh engineering was probably like 97 three guys to girls. God, that's so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, poly, it, it, when you study engineering, you're actually expected to get out of college and contribute something to society. So of course you have to work harder in the four years, five years. <laughs> A lot of kids at UCSD would take like six years sometimes to finish their shit. It was so much, so much work. Yeah, that's about how long I took. Well, yeah, it took me oh, ten yeah? years. It took me ten years really, but I got, yeah. I got, I got the poli sci and the engineering and. Uh... Dude, respect, man. I have a lot of respect <laughs> for that shit. I went in. I got accepted into UCSD as an environmental engineering major, and I lasted two weeks until I was like, "Dude, I fucking love weed." And then <laughs> two, just... two weeks two weeks and i was like fuck this i'm not gonna do this shit and then i switched over to poly political theory but i'm I'm like being reductive i legitimately just enjoy and i'm obviously more politically minded like obviously you know in hindsight i was an idiot right. forever even like thinking i should pursue anything other than political stuff um or at least i don't know pursue i use loosely <laughs> but Anyways, engineering's hard is my point, and I have a lot of respect for you for finishing that shit and doing, yeah, doing that work. Oh uh, well, I'm not an engineer, but yeah, but you finished the degree. Uh, yeah, wait, I got what the degree. Was, wait, what degree was it? What kind of engineering? Mechanical. Dope, man. Yeah, I know about mechanicals. Hell yeah! If you ever wanted to do that, can't can you uh can you uh, de-rust your mechanical no. engineering? I don't no? think I don't think at this point. No. No, you'd have to like redo the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I just I don't, I don't have any engineering on my actual like resume. Right. Yeah. yeah. Pesky experience. I, I mean, hate that shit. <laughs> it, it worked out. Like the the career I have now is due to that, but it's not. It's it's related to engineering, but it's not actually engineering. Yeah. You know. But either way. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um. 
All right. Well, anyways, hey everybody. <laughs> yeah, <let's... laughs> Enough about me. Just a tight eight minute intro. Um, <laughs> as Steve and I do. Okay, we are. So as you know, last week we had a fuck ton of I disagree emails, and it was it was rad, and we love those. And this week we had a smaller number of them, and that's totally cool too. So we're gonna we're gonna kick off uh, the I disagree emails. Okay, so our disagree mail this week comes from a lovely listener, Veronica Wilder. Uh, Veronica's subject line is disagree-ish mail. Hmm. Ishmael, one of my favorite books by Daniel Quinn. Uh, The Nuclear Family and Patriotism. All right. Hey, Jordan and Steve. I titled this I Disagree-ish because I am not fully disagreeing with Steve saying that the concept of the nuclear family isn't racist. However... I do believe that it is classist, and classism and racism do go hand in hand. There is an ideal held up in the affluent white mindset that the traditional family where the father makes all the income and the mother stays home with the kids is the healthiest and most fulfilling lifestyle to lead, while also blatantly ignoring the fact that the average American no longer makes enough to pay a mortgage on a home in a nice neighborhood, in quotes, while also paying for multiple children and a spouse to live comfortably with today's cost of living. So yes, to say that the nuclear family is superior is extremely classist, which is inherently racist. Anytime I get into a discussion with someone who condemns the Black Lives Matter movement, a talking point I have heard over and over again is claiming that the reason black people have a hard time finding success is due to the absence of the father in the home. So yes, while I agree that a nuclear family isn't a racist concept in and of itself, glorifying it absolutely is. I also want to point out that I am in no way denying the fact that growing up in a nuclear family can be beneficial, but as someone who grew up in an extremely toxic and emotionally abusive nuclear family, I would argue that the nuclear family can be harmful, especially to women, while I have been a witness to extremely healthy and uplifting broken homes. Uh, in quotes, broken homes. I have attached a really great article about why the nuclear family doesn't always work and the history of it if you're interested. Uh, this is one of the most into- intellectually stimulating podcasts I have ever heard. Keep on keeping on. Yes! P.S. Yo. I am definitely interested in paying to have a conversation on the podcast with you guys. That sounds like a great idea. Yay! Okay, we talked about that last week, creating a Patreon tier where people can actually come on with us. And uh, maybe, yeah, we Steve and I will take it and talk about that behind the scenes. If anybody else I got a couple ideas, that, yeah. All right, fuck yeah. And then just so everybody can find this article that Veronica sent, it's from The Atlantic. So just Google The Atlantic. And then the title is The Nuclear Family Was a Mistake. Mm -hmm. So look that up. Uh, Look that up and read and read that article. And and if it suits your fancy. Steve, what do you have to say in response? Well, first of all, thank you for listening and thank you for writing in, Veronica. Um, And also thank you for the link. Like... The Atlantic is actually one of the like more uh, leftward publications that I actually read. Um, so I want to know what the smart people on the other side are saying, and so I go uh-huh. to the Atlantic for that. You know, I'll, oh, I'll that's a nice compliment to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I avoid like Salon and HuffPo, and because to me that's yeah. fucking trash. That's the equivalent of like Fox News or Breitbart on the other side. Yes. You know, but like the Atlantic is solid, and like sure. I don't agree with everything they say, but they they have really talented writers and they right. make good points. A resounding um, endorsement by Steve. The Atlantic, mildly tolerated by libertarians <laughs> <laughs> and progressives alike. Right. <laughs> um, that being said, I, I didn't I didn't read the whole article, but I was able to 
skim through it. And I guess it comes down to like, I guess the definition of a nuclear family. Cause the way that article was defining it, 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 they were saying that they were talking about it in terms of like an extended family, like how we used to do it back in the day where you'd have like multiple generations living in a home in the same household. And like the family all lives in the same city and everything's really connected. And we've gotten away from that as a society. And now it's just like, if you do have a nuclear family, it's like the mom and the dad and the kids. And then like the grandparents might live on the other side of the country and that's it. That's your whole network. And that's kind of what that article is talking about. And that's not really, I don't think what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I mean, the idea that having two parents would be beneficial for your upbringing, I think, is, like, self-evident. Well, what about her point, though, in the email about, like, growing up in a family that's like that on its surface, but then it's actually incredibly toxic and emotionally abusive? Sure. I mean, and and you could be from a one-parent household that's amazing, you know? Like, all these things can happen, but, I mean, just statistically... Mm-hmm. You know, it is more likely that if you have if you come from a two parent household that you will not end up in jail, that you will graduate college, that you will have a job and all this thing. All this is there's like mountains of, of data to support this. And she, she makes the point, which is a true point that is becoming harder and harder to like just Refuse. financially to, to do oh, that. Yeah. You know, but yeah, absolutely. God, how fucking annoying is it when people that are above us, like a generation above us, like our parents or something, are like, all these fucking lazy kids moving back in with their parents or whatever. It's like, motherfucker, you think I want to be here? You think I want to masturbate when you're on the other side of the fucking room? No. No, I do not want to do that. I do not want to do any of that, okay? This This is a condition that I have been fucking put into basically because i bought into so many lies in this country when i should have just been like doing my own shit from the get-go basically you i got roped into giving sally may like tens of Uh thousands of dollars Uh and then still owing like more than that and Uh so i can yeah fucking watch porn on my headphones i don't know why i'm so obsessed with this masturbating thing that's just the most demoralizing iteration of moving back in with your parents no i I get it yeah yeah Unless your family's freaky, in which case they're like, yes, sweetie, go. (laughs) I love to see it or hear it. Not see it. That'd be weird. (laughs) Or even smell it. We don't know what you're doing in there. Sure. Yes. I mean, yeah, butt stuff is a thing now. But I think, yeah, it is like, it's so frustrating to me that there's such a, it is, it is so hard to get to that spot, you know, when we think of that sort of Pleasantville is that a right reference? Pleasantville? Pleasantville? I mean, it, it sounds... Is it what it sounds like? <laughs> Just a bunch are, you thinking, of like... are you thinking of Smallville, Kansas? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe like, Smallville. Where Clark, the, the fictional town where Clark Kent I, grew up, like the sure. idealized Midwestern... Uh... Right. Right. That Well, that... I mean, and, and that's like... That's like a very... That in itself is a very white concept. Like, I don't think you can... You can really deny that, no? Uh... I mean, living in the Midwest? You mean, like, what do you mean? No, like having having the ability to exist in a community that's like that, for example, like nuclear family after nuclear family after nuclear family. Everybody's got like mortgage rates that work for them and like or interest rates and like jobs that work for them. And everybody's got all of their resources and ducks in a row. So, you know, they can everyone in their community can like attain that and sustain that. That that's that I think her saying that it's classist is a is a good it, it's a 
great thing to say because so much of this is socioeconomic. But well, I uh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. Please. Well, the the analogy I would make, I guess, is like I guess she's trying to 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 make a moral distinction, and that's not what I'm doing. So. I think reasonable people would agree that it is better for you to eat organic food from Whole Foods than shitty 7-Eleven pizza, right? Right, right. Any, any reasonable person would agree that all things being equal, you should eat the organic shit from Whole Foods rather than 7-Eleven shit. Right. Not everybody can afford to eat at Whole Foods, and so some people have to eat at 7-Eleven. Does, does that mean that they would not be better off health-wise if they could eat at Whole Foods? That's all I'm saying. Right. I think that is a good coherent argument that you just made in that analogy i will say though that it is such a good analogy that it also entails um you know like i think a lot of people would maintain that the existence of whole foods and like green eating and organic eating is racist or maybe you know since putting the label oh of racist i know i know that putting the label of racist on things makes you uncomfortable steve so i'm gonna try to I'll, I'm, very, I'll... I'm very fragile <laughs> yeah yeah some white lady told me that yeah. <laughs> some white lady on youtube told me that. <laughs> anyway. oh, gosh. Uh, okay but how about this instead of labeling it racist um and i don't want to like D I don't want to decenter the racial socioeconomic realities that that come with what we're talking about here but instead of saying that whole foods is racist what about like whole foods is exclusionary mm -hmm. right so like the concept of a nuclear family winds up being and the success and reward of having a nuclear family cuz like you get tax breaks for having a nuclear family basically mm -hmm. you know that's very exclusionary to a lot of people and the classes of people it winds up excluding, you know, oftentimes predominantly are made up, you know, of, of certain races of people because socioeconomics and race are just like inextricably tied to each other. Sure. But I don't, I don't think, I think the solution to that is to try and help find more opportunities for people to achieve either being able to eat healthy or, you know, have a stable two parent household or whatever, because I mean, otherwise, if you just say, "Ah, oh, well, fuck it, you can't do it." Oh well, you know, eat junk food and mm -hmm. you know, like. So, you, do you think? I feel like I mean the issue I have with that is that you're putting you're putting a lot of weight into that family like familial setup as the catalyst for success in terms of addressing the economity the economy <laughs> the economic disparities that might result in the lack of that more established support system you know so like like fix fix the economic situation of the communities that have a hard time like getting generational wealth and then i'm sure you would start to see more nuclear families come about yeah i mean the nuclear family thing doesn't just apply to minorities too. Like this is the case across yeah. the board. I mean, that's one of the things, like if you look at the statistics, that's one of the things that like, it's like one of the equalizers. Like if you look at like poor white families in Appalachia that aren't really families, they come from single parent households, their incarceration rate and their like, uh, 
uh, I guess, early death rate and, right. and all that. S- is- similar socioeconomic and public right. health problems. Obviously, yeah. though, like, right. can we agree, though, that if, if even like with all things can all things considered equal, if you're black or like a person of color, you're going to have a tougher time and a tougher outcome generally because of the inherent racism that the society holds. I mean, that that may or may not be the case, but even if that is the case, you're probably still in a better uh, better position to uh, prevail over those over that adversity if you come from a stable two-parent household. Because I think entailed in a... When you, well, when you say stable, I guess, are you talking like just financially stable? Not even, not even necessarily that. I think the most important thing is just have two parents, and only it, it could be two moms, it could be two dads, it could be whatever. But I mean, it, it has nothing to me. It all comes down to just, you know, workload. I think raising a child is 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 a two person job. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do agree that typically. I mean, I will, I will agree with you that it's a hard as fuck job. Raising a kid is fucking hard. And, and real quick, this is not to, to like diminish the, the hard work that single mothers or single fathers are putting in out there yeah it's like it's, the hardest yeah it's the hardest and their job would be easier if they had someone to help them is all i'm saying well wouldn't it be nice though to account for you know people in a society that maybe like don't want or can't engage in that and and talk about stuff like providing universal health care or child care which Biden just adopted right into his his campaign I saw I had seen um that he did that and then because like who says I feel like the deficiencies in not having a nuclear household like the positives that you see whatever you lose out on when you don't have that I feel like you could account for that in ways other than trying to like push everybody into having you know two parents well, I mean, nobody's nobody. It's a free country. You can you can do it however you want. But yeah. statistically speaking, your child is m- more likely positioned for success if you come from a two parent household. Interesting. That's, that's and maybe that shouldn't be how it is. But, you know, I'd I'd like to I wish that we could get like a like a behavioral psychologist on to talk about this. Right. Because this would be interesting. I'm positive yeah. there's been extensive, extensive research and dissertations done on this exact subject um just another instance of you know more research we could do but, but we didn't. <laughs> i mean I, I have read a little bit about this i know i mentioned uh, yeah. Th- thomas soul last week and he's written a couple books about that issue and like i guess if, if you if you want to like break it down to the black community specifically it hasn't always been like this like it used to be two parent households up until like like the sixties and seventies when that shit started falling apart, and it's it's also started falling apart in in white communities too. It just it happened a little bit later, um, and like conservatives will, will, will blame like the disintegration of the black family unit on uh, like the welfare state and incentivizing sure. single parenthood. Sure. Liber- liberals will blame the disintegration of the black family on the prison industrial complex that's sending all the black fathers to prison. Absolutely. And I think I think both have a good argument. Well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but that would require its own entire podcast right. for that. Which maybe we should write that down and consider that as um as a thing as a thing to to talk about further at a later date. But for now, 
For now. For now. We just want to say thank you again to Veronica. Yeah, thanks, uh, Yeah, totally. I I personally love her email and agree with it wholeheartedly. Um, and if anybody else wants to send in an I disagree mail or an agree mail, just, yeah, yeah, send it in. Send it in to us at our email is the I disagree podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, this is such a dope segment. Thank you, Steve, for introducing this because I feel like it's it's already just led to really great discussions like every week, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and thank yeah, you guys for uh, for writing in and being such solid haters. We love it. Solid <laughs> haters. It's the best. Shout out to Claire, though. She takes the fucking hate cake. Uh-huh. No <laughs> doubt. Speaking of which, we got a couple hot warm-up topics from, from Claire this week if you want to get into it. All right. Let's get to it. So, um, as a patron on patreon.com slash I disagree podcast, if you're at the $5 tier above, you could submit warm up topics, silly things for us to riff and raff about. Uh, we're about silly things. We're, we're things. all about silly things. So we, we got, we got a lot of good ones. We got a lot of comedy based questions from, uh, from a lot of the listeners this week. So maybe we can have a, a, a good comedy talk. Fuck yeah, I'm ready. We previewed these topics before, and I'm fucking ready. This is gonna be, yeah, this is gonna be some some inside baseball stuff from very low level comics, mind oh, you. That's that's, what, <laughs> that's something I wanted to bring up too. That's I'm glad you said that because I was just about to bring it up. So if if you're if you're just listening to this podcast and this is all you know of us, you just see comics and you're thinking, oh, these guys must be hot shots in L.A. or something. We're basically open micers. We've been we started about the same time, like four years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've so, been doing yeah three years. So I mean, if you're if you're if you're 19 episodes into the show and you're still listening, I think it stands to reason that we are pretty funny. <laughs> but that being said, we are we are certainly not experts on comedy. We are God uh, no no we are, yeah we are tadpoles. tadpoles. Yes, we are tadpoles. definitely yes we are definitely tadpoles. Tadpoles indeed. With that though comes doing stand up. You know, every night when it's not the pandemic and uh, you know being being in it at least as much as possible in San Diego. Uh, to mm. be able to answer some of these with with our our opinions, but yeah, I think that caveat is very important to say. Well, still, it's, it's it might be an interesting perspective. Like, what do newer comics think about X, Y, and Z? So let's find out. Yeah. All right. So, so here's a good one. Claire has a couple. I'm going to start with this one because I like this one. Uh, this is from Claire Hoffbauer. In interviews, Martin Short, Steve Martin, and other comedic legends have said that they literally learned how to be a comedian on purpose by taking notes and stuff and sucked for a long time and then made themselves be funny like a type of performance art. Other people like Bob Newhart and Joan Rivers seem to just be hilarious as soon as they started talking. You think one is better than the other? Did either of you have a person tell you, you should try stand-up comedy? Or were you just walking around thinking, man, I'm hilarious. I must share this gift with the world. <laughs> Or, I don't think any comic that is ever any good actually thinks that in their brain. Because right. that would require thinking about yourself in a positive light in any uh, way whatsoever, which is uh, inherently just not a part of being a comic. Yeah, you kind of just answered her the last part of her thing. Because she her, oh. her, 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 last, uh, her last choice was, or were either of you like, I am not funny and I will learn to be funny. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. Do you want to answer or kick it well, off or... Well, I certainly thought I was funny, and I, I certainly had people tell me I was funny. Um, Did until they? I, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like who? Like friends or family? Infants? Um, I got some friends back home that, that was like, dude, you should do an open mic. You should do an open mic. And even like my ex-wife was like, you should do an open mic. And I know even even after uh, <laughs> we split up, 
I went over to her house to to pick up something one time, and she gave me all these flyers to open mics. Oh, that's sweet. And I was like, oh, okay. And then like a year later, I tried it. But that's so really I, sweet, Steve. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, I'm just imagining. I was wondering if it was like a, them genuinely encouraging you, or like they just couldn't stand your fucking dad jokes any longer. They're like, hey, you know what? Just take it to the fucking <laughs> stage, dude. Hey, All right, spare me. one half of the dozen of the other. You know what I'm saying? I don't... <laughs> but yeah. uh, I thought I was funny until I uh, tried to do stand up, and then I realized, oh no, I'm not funny at all. Yep. So... You fucking suck, dude. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I felt the same way. I was like, you start watching, you're, you're like watching stand. I would always watch up stand up and be like, I get what they're doing. Like, I get what this is. I get what they're doing. Like, I could do that. I could write that and stuff. Right. And then, and then I feel like you, all, which is obviously just such a fucking ridiculously stupid, arrogant thing to think, which is also a part of the equation of doing stand up comedy. Correct we've me if had, I'm wrong. That's we've had that conversation offline before too, and that's yeah. Every single one of us is some type of narcissist. Yes. Every single one of us. It, it was oh no, it's about the craft and the art. Yeah, it's about that, but it's also which about is our the ego most, too. Yeah, jack yourself oh, off thing. That, exactly. Way to conceive of your Ex joke about anal. Exactly. <laughs> I was meant to bring this to the people. Yeah, suck my a ass. A philosopher <laughs> of our times. Exactly. And my subject is rectal jokes. Yeah, it's like it's completely I feel like the main the main qualities of stand-ups are arrogance, mm -hmm. self-hate, mm -hmm. and like self-awareness just in general to to a pathological degree to a degree that stifles your life pretty much in every other way until you find oh shit stand up is something that allows me to exist with all of these qualities together and somehow <laughs> that leads to my success <laughs> it's like exactly like when i found stand up i was like oh fuck dude yes uh, <laughs> this is fucking awesome yeah because like all of those qualities are encouraged in anybody that winds up sticking with it and actually is good at it, I think pretty much across the board has those qualities yeah. for sure. But like, did you start writing to answer her question originally? I, I was always like, and still am, I think much more a writer than I am a performer. So I would, I would always like just, you know, write. Also, I am such a sanctimonious asshole. I have that down when I was like younger too. I was fucking such a dogmatic piece of shit like you know when on facebook when it brings you back your statuses from like years ago it's like look what you said like eight years ago How i literally read them and i'm like ugh, ugh, worst have, worst 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 person ever like, oh god have you so... ever gotten one of those facebook notifications about a post you made eight years ago and been happy about it just no. once i want to be no. like god damn i was clever no just not once <laughs> not, not once. once not not funny begging for attention uh-huh super Pre arrogant pretentious trying, ass clown pretentious so dude you know me now pretty well you would read the shit that i wrote when i was like in high school and <laughs> you would just be like what the fuck is this shit this is so embarrassing it's like it's like i was trying to be like fucking like i was gonna say mlk but i need to think of a better white example like like a i can't god there's white white You're people stuck at leading so <laughs> Ma matthew mcconaughey and the lincoln lawyer sure it was just <laughs> yeah it's so bad anyways 
I would always like write down shit that I thought was funny, but uh-huh. not ever seriously contemplate doing stand up because like I personally got I get so embarrassed when the attention is on me and it's it's ironically still very much like that. But like all throughout high school, I was always really like funny with my friends and shit. And like, you know, growing up as a kid, I used to make weird videos with my best friend Taylor. My best friend Taylor, dude, everybody has that friend where they're like, that person should do stand up. Like that person is so much funnier than me. That's how I like feel about my best friend Taylor growing up. She was always so goddamn funny. And I felt like I was just her her like fucking Robin to her her Batman of poop jokes. And she's she's the one you bitch slapped, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And so we would we would like just sit around and riff all the time and shit. And then as I got older, you know, I was like funny and witty within my friend group and always like cracking jokes and getting full room laughs and shit, but just feeling like, oh God, everyone's laughing. I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, and like cowering away from it anytime I'd make a joke until I had like an existential crisis after college and after a failed career attempt. Started working at the the comedy club just because I wanted to be around it because I just like loved it. And then got basically like shamed into going on stage by Daniel Delgado because I was just hanging out with all of you guys. And he was like, uh-huh. hey, you don't get to just hang out with everybody and not do stand up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so and then and then What's- so that's. <laughs> That's how I started. None. There was no studying of comedy and like, oh, I got to learn how to do this. And then there was no, you know, my friend saying, you should do this, you should do this. Or or me being like, yeah, I should do this. It just kind of just wound up happening for me personally. Were there any particular comics that you listened to that <clears throat> inspired you to start? Doug Stanhope and yeah. Louie. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. What about you? My like. Origin I just... story. What's your origin story? Well, I just listened to so much Opie and Anthony. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with them. They're they're the Matt funk Bird now. Told me about like how much yeah he loves Opie and Anthony. So they they for a while there they just had the greatest comedic radio show of all time because they were in New York City and they were friends with all the best comics in the city and all these guys would just come in and literally just like hang out for three hours and talk shit. Their show had no format. It was literally just riffing with the funniest people in the world and the people yeah. that were on that show were patrice o'neill jim norton doug stanhope bill burr louis ck all those guys and they were always in studio and just so funny it's just like i want to be a part of that crowd i want i want those kind of people to be my friends i want, yeah. I want to live that lifestyle you know i want to be hanging out in the green room with hilarious motherfuckers yeah like, roasting each other and you know yeah so that, that was yeah so i really i feel it, that too I was between jobs uh, and uh, like this is before, I, you know, obviously before I started doing stand up and uh, I just gotten out of that relationship and I just mm-hmm. moved into my new place. And like I realized I don't know anybody in San Diego. I have nothing to do at all. And I'm just kind of like sitting at home. I was like, maybe I, maybe I should try an open mic. So I went to the madhouse. I went one night and just sat and watched. Just, yeah. just, just like I wanted to make sure that you can get away with saying everything. And yeah. <laughs> I was, I certainly was not disabused of that notion sitting in uh, the first night. I was like, okay, you're allowed to say whatever you want. Oh my God. I think the first night I went, what thing that impressed me so much about the scene is uh, I think Vinny was hosting that night. Vinny D? Big Vinny D. And if, if you guys don't know Big Vinny, Big Vince D'Amico, <laughs> he's, one of the, well, he's one of the funniest dudes we know. One of the best comics 100%. in San Diego. Yeah. And fucking uh, funny. The the thing the thing that was, that was interesting the, so the guy's in a wheelchair right and I remember he's hosting the mic 
and like he he would bring up the next comic and the next comic would just shit on him about and make some like horrendous wheelchair joke and the right. crowd would fucking erupt and i was like whoa that was ruthless and then when dude gets off the stage and hands the mic back to Vinny, Vinny would come back with some shit three times as hard yeah, dude. and the thing about it Vinny wasn't offended and didn't be like oh you can't say that because i'm in a wheelchair no he just hit you back four times as hard and i was like i yeah. fucking love this scene i love everything about this you know what i mean <laughs> And in four months, it took me four months to make Vince D'Amico my friend, but God damn it, he's my pal now. Yeah, he's your hella pal, dude. <laughs> I was just messaging him yesterday, only a couple times, actually, I have a response. I don't even know if I could say that I messaged him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, he, he's he's so fucking funny. There's so many people in this scene that are that are so funny, and it's like, like Miles Magallanes is like super goddamn funny. There's so many mm-hmm. guys that are that that kind that is kind of what sucks about this industry and it's like like to make it you have to have such a perfect combination of things to make it it is like definitely not just a function of if you're funny enough like like i was saying with my like with my best friend like i know i know people that are so much more comedically talented than like 95% of the people that are you know, making it right now in LA, at least at, on like an entry level that we would kind of know and, right. and be able to like see their come up happen. Sure. And yeah. And it's, it's just such a crazy, you have to be like, yeah, you have to be such a particular set of things for it to all work out for you. And people like Steve Martin and, and all those names that she listed and shit for them, it's like, the common denominator was they were all going to make it. They were just determined. Well, I think the, the, the way I interpret what she's saying is that like Steve Martin came into it unfunny and, and treated it like a science and just yeah. broke it down and like how to jokes yeah. work. Whereas Joe totally. Rivers is just like, I'm fucking funny. Everything yeah. I say is funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know where I fall on that spectrum. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think of people a lot like Tatiana Swiklinski. She's like so naturally hilarious, just like who she is as a person. So she gets on stage and she's a good writer. But like the more she does comedy and the more she writes and stuff, she's just going to be like so fucking good because she has that inherent just really just funny, funny like character from from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's not a character. That's why (laughs) It took it That's took me funny. about a year to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. That was really her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, then there are then I then there's also people that we know in the scene too that have been like, you know, like I know I know guys that guys that are making it too in LA right now where people are like, man, that guy was so fucking unfunny for like years. He was so unfunny, and then just one day he just like got it. And whether that's because they were studying it and I mean, Steve Martin is like very self-deprecating also and shit too. So, so like, who knows, maybe he's just saying that he wasn't funny and he just studied it. Maybe it was more like he was funny and it's just a journey of becoming comfortable with yourself to the point where you can be your natural funny self for people in front of them. Right. How much of the, how much of that is just him being humble? You know? Yeah, I know yeah, what he's exactly. saying though, because I mean, we—I've I, certainly a lot funnier than I was when I started, and I've noticed like differences just in like when you write a joke, like being able to get to the punchline faster, and just totally being able to like, identify what you need to trim from the joke sooner. Yeah, you know, and right. I'm, I'm and like 
what it comes down to is just you you have to practice it you have to work at it and you have every to practice night it. yeah yeah it's like like a good example you were saying watching people grow like i remember when i first started a madhouse you know, you know mike devore right yeah when i first started he was not very good you know? <laughs> i love that you're saying <laughs> uh, the only the only reason i'm calling him out on air is because i'm going to finish that sentence by saying but within a year that dude was a fucking beast like crushing weekend rooms at the madhouse and it was like this all just happened in like maybe a year's time i saw that dude go from being not funny to being a beast and just because he was there fucking every goddamn night you know and then yeah, again dude. there are people out there every night that still aren't funny so i don't know i think you, you probably do have to have a little bit of talent too <laughs> yeah yeah definitely also just like yeah yeah we're not really disagreeing on much i guess this is more just talking shop sort of yeah but she doesn't we have another topic i'm sure we can get into the weeds on all right you want, you want you want to go to the next comedy related yeah. question from yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. ms claire yes uh louis ck bring him back you go first steve <laughs> let me see how she worded exactly is it time to bring Louis C.K. back? She wants to hear it discussed, but uh, she's letting her opinion be known. I'm not going to review. Oh, we're not. not? No. Well, I mean, I will at the end, but okay. All right. I. My, you actually, you take this one. Well, no, I was just going to say, I I feel. You go first. Sorry. Okay. Well, before before I get into whether or not he should be allowed to perform, I I want to address a lot of bullshit I'm seeing going around. Well, Two two pieces of bullshit I'm going around. One, when people are talking about all the like all the Me Too stuff going on in Hollywood, they'll be like, and all these sexual abusers out there like Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, Louis C.K. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't put him in the same category as Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein. Those guys are legitimate monsters. What Louis did was wrong. And I'm not, certainly not going to endorse it, but that's a far cry from fucking roofing and raping chicks. I agree so, completely. It's so but, irresponsible to ever put mm -hmm. them in the same camp ever. So now we got that out the way. The second point I want to make is I'm also seeing a lot of people now, like when Louis dropped his special and when he when that leaked footage came out, a lot of people saying, oh, he's such a hack. He's not funny. All his dick jokes. And it's like, stop lying. The dude is maybe one of the top three funniest people to ever walk on the planet 100 percent. whether or not he should be allowed to perform Dude, it's Chappelle Louis. right yeah it's L Chappelle living. yeah living Chappelle Louis Burr <laughs> yeah but yeah that that could be another I'm sure we're gonna let some some good disagreements on that because everybody's got their favorite but those are mine yeah um, no I think I'm actually with you on that but so regardless of what you think about what he did and what and how we should respond to what he did let's not pretend like he sucks and i i had a bit i was trying to do about this about how like comedy gets no respect because it's like oj simpson literally murdered a lady and nobody's pretending like he couldn't run fast like he was a bad football player you know mm -hmm. what i mean mm -hmm. so louis is an undeniable comic god now yep. should he be able should he be allowed to perform me i kind of want to take myself out of that because i'm just a guy you know, so the only threat from him is that, hey, if me and him were on the same lineup or something, you know, God willing, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, by some what? fucking hole in the universe. That right. Allows that <laughs> right. But the worst thing that could happen is what? So you can show his dick to me in the green room and I'm going to laugh at it. I don't care. I'm not a girl. I'm not a female employee of a comedy club. I'm not a female comic that's going to be on the same lineup with them. So I, I, I literally have 
I can't even make an opinion on it. So I'm going to pass the mic to you. Well, I mean, it's funny to me that you say that about this topic, but not about race things. <laughs> well, because he, he like the, the thing about it, women and men are different. And, and like, I don't think there's any difference between black and white people or Asian people or uh, anything or anything. Yeah. We're just well, people. But women and men are actually different, and and we can address colorblindness at a later date. But <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah. the point the point is, like, I, I, talk, I can see. <laughs> right. But yeah. The point is, I don't yeah, care I, if I, I had I, to I, see I, his dick, but I a girl might feel different. I don't mean to like fucking shit on you or whatever when you're trying to. Yeah, speak yeah, yeah. Person. Sorry. <laughs> What I'm saying is, so like, if he showed me his dick in the green room, it'd be like, whatever, it'd be funny, but I'm not a girl. It'd be different. So how does how would a girl feel about that, or a, or a, a woman rather? Well, oh, thank you. Well, there there is there is me out there on a podcast somewhere before I even started podcasting, and I didn't anticipate anybody ever like giving a shit about what I had to say on the mic, saying that someone asked me this exact same question, and, and I was so bitter about like just being a woman in the society at the time that I had said. If I were Louie, I would have said yes, and then I would have, like, filmed it, and then, like, gone and turned him in, like, as a fuck you to him, basically. Right. It was, like, a very, uh, a very sort of, like, you know, just generally bitter and uh, intense thing to say that I, I don't stand by. I was, like, saying that for the shock sure. value of of that. Um I don't know why I feel the need to address that. No one's ever going to hear that interview ever. No one fucking gives a shit, but there you go. It's out there. So if anyone brings it back, I'd like you to also add this this as an addendum because I know people that cancel people are that thorough with their work. So uh, gonna, right. uh, not, but I, I am, I get, I mean, you, like I started like holding myself like this and getting small, just even talking about this because like, it makes me so nervous to say my real opinion about it since I'm a woman in comedy that um, I, I feel like I feel like if I say, you know, the wrong thing or whatever, that it will be really, really bad <laughs> for me <laughs> or something. I don't know. I don't have much of a career to lose at this point, though. So here we go. I think <laughs> that... <laughs> that's the the freedom of mediocrity i gotta tell you it is great <laughs> and, um louis is my favorite comic other than Chappelle, hands down mm -hmm. alive for sure possibly alive or dead actually and i think when his special came out 100% I watched it and I was fucking stoked for it and I loved it and I love Louie and I love his comedy and I think I mean comics like unless you're in comedy you don't really have an understanding of the mental conditions that plague like pretty much every comic like comics are generally like sick people like <laughs> actually sick like mentally ill people you know that have like really weird things and they have problems and they have substance abuse issues and they have super bad trauma backgrounds typically and they have like so much shit that they're working through and they've chosen this avenue that they work through it publicly and unfortunately a lot of them 
don't fix the things that kind of like make them fucking weird and you know, I don't know like he he basically has he has like a kink that mm-hmm. I think is 100% attached to power partially um I mean like just the concept of soliciting someone to watch you masturbate is inherently you know that that's not like shove a cucumber up my butt that's like watch me watch me do <laughs> which i'm saying is just like a normal kink i guess right yeah <laughs> like a harmless kink you know there's no power dynamics of a cucumber that you're <laughs> that you're like so if louie had been like hey ladies will you watch me put a cucumber in my butt no, 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 no problemo. No. no, no, no. If he was having sex with a person that he courted in a very like normal way, and they mm. were just like gonna have sex anyway, and then he was like shove a cucumber in my butt, like that kink is just like a sexual kink that is limited to the bedroom, and that's it. When Louis, you know, asks any woman to watch him masturbate at all, um, and they don't have an established sexual relationship already, I, there's one hundred percent a power kink that is there like to randomly ask you know sarah i think like sarah silverman said you know louie would just ask me to do that sometimes and correct me if i'm wrong but i think she said sometimes she would say yes yeah, she said that and, on and, stern she yeah. said sometimes i'd be like yeah that's crazy and sometimes you're like Ew, gross right and i think and i love that she came out and said that because that that's like a perfect i'm talking so much i'm so sorry no no she there's there's like that's a really good exemplification of like, like Sarah Silverman's a fucking freak too, you know, like (laughs) in the world of comedy, there are people that legitimately are just like, yeah, fuck it. You know, like I've done and seen and heard and said really weird fucking shit. That is like only okay around comics. But when Louie did that shit to women that he had on the road with him, that's like, that is so fucked up. Yeah. That that crosses that threshold that is unforgivable behavior that warrants like public punishment, apology, you know, work to actually say sorry and understand how hurtful that is to the dynamic that is a woman in comedy trying to make it. Like mm-hmm. that's such bullshit for a woman to have to have a person that's above her put her in that position where she has to feel like I need to watch this and say yes to this man because he has power and I have to then live with the fact that I compromised myself to do that because if I didn't you know there's a good chance it's going to turn out bad for me and he won't take me out on the road again and you know if I say anything I'm going to be like shunned by all these trolls and shit and so Mm -hmm. with all that being said i think it was right that he got canceled when he got canceled i think that he needed to do a way better job like actually apologizing and doing work to prove that he had uh understood i guess how that's not okay and how Mm -hmm. that's different that's a lot 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 different from like asking your friend sarah silverman or something you know with all of that being said (laughs) I do believe in I do believe in redemption. Uh-huh. He's he's such an important voice like in society and I truly think that we are like missing and wanting you know c- like culturally because 
he's not doing comedy right now like how he would be if yeah. he didn't do that shit. And I say he didn't do that shit because he brought this on himself. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I agree. Like his his behavior is completely inexcusable. There's no like yeah. every once in a while you you'll run across somebody try like a real fanboy trying to justify. It's like what he asked first, and it's like yeah, dude. Okay, so yeah, if he if he up. if some if some dude just went up and asked your sister, hey, you mind if I jerk off in front of you? Like you would be like, dude, why the fuck are you asking my sister that shit? It's the same thing. Like it's completely yeah. inexcusable. That being exactly. said, man did his time. He, and the thing about it, he he was punished in a way that a lot of people don't even take into account for. Because like, say that shit happened to like me or you, right? That would suck. We'd lose our job, but we'd be able to go to Starbucks tomorrow, and nobody would fucking know. Yeah. Everywhere that dude goes, every time he takes his kids to school, every time he goes to get a cup of coffee, everybody in there's like, "That's the guy that jerks off." You know what I mean? And he's got to live with that the rest of his life. I feel like, I, I feel like you know time served <laughs> i definitely don't think his time has been like yeah i don't that's that's a really hard equation like when has someone suffered enough because realistically like i'm not looking for people to suffer i'm looking for people to understand why what they did was fucked up like to truly sure. understand why it was fucked up and honestly i i i personally you know me jordan coburn I don't care if I hear an apology from him. I would like to believe that he understands, you know? Uh And you got to think there's almost no way he doesn't like he had to. Oh, there's so ways that he doesn't the fucking walls. Men build up around themselves to excuse their like horrible behavior. Yeah. He might be right. I just, it, it seems like he probably the whole time he, he was doing it, he probably knew like this is going to come up and fucking bite me in the ass eventually. But I have this yeah. uncontrollable goddamn impulse. That well, I- even further, though, I think that that's part of why he gets off on it is because it's like, you know, you, you sort of up and up and up the stakes of your kinky behavior or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I hate even saying kinky because, again, like like that's not what kink means. Kink is like consensual like healthy sexual stuff you know that's not what this is this is like like ego egomaniac like egomaniacal shit well it's still a fetish though i mean sure okay because he he chose the same way every time sure (laughs) that was his thing yeah totally that that yeah that definitely was his thing yeah but i i mean like i guess let me let me ask you this if if you were on how would you feel being on a line what I guess you'd be excited as hell to be on the lineup with Louie. Yeah. Yeah. So you wouldn't be uncomfortable at all. It's like, oh, I don't want to be in the same room with this guy. That guy's a sexual predator. I don't feel comfortable sharing the stage with him. You, you wouldn't feel like that. I don't even think I could really answer that question because I'm answering this question just as a con- like a consumer and like, you know, comic and mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a great question. I don't I don't know. I mean, I certainly wouldn't make a decision based off of what I think would be like (sighs) yeah I don't know I mean I've unfortunately I've been like verbally verbally sexually assaulted by comics so much like in so many ways that 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 part uh that element is not new and that's kind of something you're used to just like fielding like I mean, I guess if he asked, I would just say like no, and and <laughs> I've never I've never heard anything of him saying, okay, well then you're over or whatever. Right. <laughs> like, like if someone says no, 
Uh, I would, I would, I would believe he wouldn't do that since he's like gone through all of this. Yeah, and I'm, I'm maybe I'm misunderstanding. My understanding was all of those allegations were from a long time ago anyway, and he'd already kind of stopped the behavior before it was even uh, I never heard any of that. I don't that. know if that's true or not, but I, my understanding was a lot of that stuff was like back when he was a writer for the, like the Chris Rock show and like way back in the day. Um, I, I think for some reason I'm conceiving of it as have been, having been like recent behavior. I could be wrong. but I don't know. I could be wrong too. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's really tough. It's like, I really think we have to leave space in this world to have compassion for the fucked up things that people do yeah. and, and like allow them. Yeah. Like allow people redemption if they meet, I guess, certain conditions that maybe society sets or you set for yourself or whatever. But like, yeah, some people are unsatisfied with this apology. Sure. Yeah. I think that's fair too. His his apology definitely had like a lot of defensiveness in it as apologies often do. It's embarrassing as shit. It's mortifying. Yeah, imagine having to write that. That, that was one of the funniest <laughs> things he said in the leaked audio when his, and he's like and my mom's like, "Honey, you were in the New York Times." It's like that's not a good article, mom. <laughs> God. Right. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this like forever for sure. It makes okay. me sad. Ultimately, it just makes me sad to think about because it's like, why did you have to fucking do that? Like to women, first and foremost, and then to yourself, you know, like, yeah. I really do believe that a lot of this behavior comes down to self-sabotage in like really sick, twisted ways and stuff. And, mm-hmm, and it's just sure. really sad. And then I also have a really weird perspective of this because like, I have a lot of maybe it's misplaced i have a lot of like forgiveness for abusers just from my own experience and i don't know if that's because like that's what i needed to do to get by like after i had gone through my own assaults and stuff and 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 but yeah there's something where like i just really believe in rehab trying to like rehabilitate people and like go down that road instead yeah i mean i do too to an extent but i don't believe in rehabilitating bill cosby like throw away the key throw away yeah agreed let him die in prison like that's yeah that's monstrous behavior the fucking monster but louis just like oh you pervert you skeezy pervert yeah what what are you thinking louis yeah you skeezy sad pervert yeah that's the thing is it's more pathetic than anything brilliant though fucking brilliant yeah and i guess to to close the loop on this so claire says hell yes bring louis back (laughs) so there you have it all right amazing thank you claire thanks claire uh we've got another one from uh scott Graguez. yes and I, I recall that uh from a from a previous episode i remember that name so uh maybe one day we'll pronounce your your name right but uh <laughs> in the meantime scott his 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 question is basically um joke theft what's the big deal <laughs> and the, the way he lays it out is like as as a professional comedian shouldn't you be using like the best available material that's out there to to entertain audiences what do you think oh i mean of, of no joke joke theft is unforgivable and terrible i think he i think i think i think scott's playing devil's advocate and throwing that argument out there to see, to see how we'll react to it but yeah yeah, I, yeah totally 
it's, yeah, I it's, think it's going to be hard to find. Go ahead. Well, no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. I no, you go. Okay. Uh, as, so uh, I mean, it's it's not like it's not like music or anything else. It's not like if if I do a Seinfeld joke on stage, it's not like oh, I just did a cover of of ACDC. You're like, no, you're supposed to write that shit yourself. That's the entire point. Anybody can recite shit. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I agree completely. I think joke theft is one of the most disgusting things you can do as a comedian. It is the most disgusting thing. There's nothing worse. There's the, the absolutely pro- nothing worse. It's like it's like murder. Yeah, it's it's the worst thing you can do in comedy. The problem though is that there's it should be a death sentence. It should be a death sentence. The problem is there. It's so difficult to define because I mean, parallel thinking is a real thing too. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, um, so if I come up with something that I think ah uh, that's just too good, I'm definitely gonna put that shit in Google and see if there's any memes or anything. That yeah. to see if somebody already landed on that idea first and sometimes they do and you just gotta toss the joke Absolutely. and sometimes you'll be working on a joke and you'll you'll made it up all by yourself and then you'll see some like famous comic on youtube doing basically the same bit but way better yeah and you're like ah well they got to the same idea i did at the same time as i did but got to it better and they don't know who i am i gotta throw this joke away too and that's, just, that's how it goes they didn't steal the joke from you you didn't steal the joke from them you both came up with it independently yes. but yeah, and you can just walk away feeling good that your small, measly, dumb, baby comic brain even came up with something remotely uh-huh. close to what they did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about this? I I had a I have a joke, and it's like such a to me it's such a random. It's the I don't even want to say it because like yeah it feels I don't weird. Wanna, it feels we're pitching bits on here right yeah yeah you. well no also just like. I don't know. I just don't want my shit to be known that much. That, um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, but I like not the comedy itself, but like connecting the other person. If anyone knows who the other person is that has this joke, but like I was on a show, I did a joke, and you definitely know the bit. It's like one of my bits about serving, and um, it's like such a random line. It, it's it's so random. I came up with it when I was super stoned. And I don't know. Maybe it's really not that original, I guess. And that's kind of part of deciding if I wanted to let it die or not. But I go I go up in the bri- in the back room, like in the brick room, you know, which for those of you listening, it's just this isolated spot in the back of Madhouse, which all the co- it's so it's so small. There's hard, there's usually like not a lot of room like on a weekend to even wait for your spot inside the room. You have to like wait outside the spot. So I didn't see the guy that went up before me. So I go up after him and I do my set, you know, and it's like going well until I do this joke and it completely bombs. And this this line is like, you know, unless I'm bombing, like it's not the line that bombs, you know? Right, 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 right. So I'm just like, whoa, what the fuck just happened, you know? And and I do the rest of my set, and I get off stage, and someone comes and tells me, they're like, hey, a guy that went before you literally said, like, the exact same joke, but, like, this one word was different. And I was like, no shit, really? And so I went to the guy, and I was like, hey, you have a joke that says this? And he's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, I have a joke that says this. And then we were both just kind of like, huh. And just like looked at each other. And there's no way either of you had heard each other's act before, right? I mean, he's an LA comic and I right. only do comedy in San Diego. Like I rarely do shit in LA. So, and he, and I've only seen him when he's come to Madhouse and I'm not accusing him of stealing my joke oh, yeah, like, yeah, at yeah. all. 
but it really is uh, when we're off air like I'll tell you what it was and okay. see like how you feel about it but it was it was so weird and I was like okay me and this guy are like on the same level comic wise you know like we're doing guest spots on weekend shows and stuff and I know for a fact I did not steal this joke. I'm like proud of this joke. It's totally from like a weird spot in my brain and I don't want to let this joke go. And so like I kept doing the joke, but every time I did it, it just felt like bad and bad and bad and bad. Mm -hmm. But especially as a woman, I was like, I don't want to let this guy like do, you know, what feels like my joke like that. That feels like I just have to let it go. But eventually and only very recently I just like let it go because I just hate that feeling I just don't want that feeling anymore yeah I don't even know what you're supposed to do in that situation because like if it it were somebody famous who has videos online you would just have to drop the joke but if it's it's another open micer in a different city and you both came up with it organically I I don't know what the rules are yeah I don't know what the (laughs) rules are either yeah I don't know either that's the thing too and aside from parallel thinking there's also unintentional joke theft Uh uh-huh yeah, you know, like you'll 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 have heard a, a stand-up set two years ago, and somebody had a funny line, and now that's embedded somewhere in your brain. And then two years later, you think you thought of it yourself. Yep. Yeah. So you got to be careful about that shit too. But I mean, what? that can't do that shit neither. Yeah, one hundred percent. There's a there's been Talk a lot of chop. there's been a lot of there's been a lot of joke theft uh, controversy in the San Diego scene lately, and I don't I don't have any Has insight there? on. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to call the guy's name out because I don't know if it's true or not. Oh God, of course I know who you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? I do. But, but yeah. people are putting out that this dude steals jokes. This dude steals jokes, and apparently a lot of it, he's got a lot of one-liners. Yeah. And a lot of the one-liners are on T-shirts and memes that you can find on the <laughs> internet. That, that's true. Now whether he went and read it, found a funny joke, wrote it down, and took it to the mic, or whether he thought it up himself, and it turns out ten million other people thought of the same joke. I don't know. The point is, you gotta be careful. I like, guess if if you come up with, especially one-liners, especially one-liners. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. To be a unique one-liner person, you have to be like incredible at one-liners. Yeah, you should always Google that shit first. If you think of something that's just too goddamn funny, Google it. You you might have, you either might have stumbled on something that eight thousand people have already stumbled on, or you might have yeah. accidentally stolen it from somebody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What do you think if someone steals a joke? If you're on a show and you see someone steal a joke. Do you have like a moral obligation to the comedy world in general to be like, hey, that joke is stolen? Like to that person as a performer, yes. to, do you think to, so? To, to the person as a performer, I mean, you don't don't accuse them of stealing. Just be like, hey, just so you know, so and so's got a joke that's very similar to that. You should talk to him. Like people, yeah. people have had that conversation with me before. Yeah. Well, telling me that somebody else is doing my joke and that I should go talk to him. But oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I kind of, I kind of disagree sort of but i don't know i don't know if i disagree so much as i'm just non-confrontational and like wouldn't do that well that's that's why you shouldn't accuse them of joke theft because you don't know yeah. they stole it. She's, hey just seeing so you know, i'd want someone to tell me if i'm doing a joke that another comic is doing too like come up and tell me yeah. i don't want to keep doing it in front of people and have them thinking i stole it you yeah know I mean? it's like your fly tell is me. Done. It's like yeah, it flies exactly. down as it's revealing your micropene. Sorry to shame micropene, but that's the society <laughs> we live in. That's more just a statement on how society views micropenes, not myself. Oh, be honest. <laughs> I no, <laughs> hey, hey. I am down. You're you're down with the uh Sure, sure. Sure. Yes. Isn't it funny that micropenis is a medical term? Yeah, it is. 
It is. It's kind of like I was watching this nature documentary once and it was called Wild China. And there was this uh, there was this bear and its name was Chinese Bear. Oh, come on. <laughs> that was its official name. <laughs> A real creative National Geographic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking there was this one guy that was doing the ACC open mic and he like he was brand new and just immediately really good. And I was just like this fucker stealing jokes. And it was just like so apparent to anybody that's been doing it for a while, because like you have to be pretty, pretty bad for like a decent amount of time, you know, and yes. And especially when someone's like bad at delivering, but their jokes are good, unless they're like a writer's prodigy, chances are they're stealing jokes and that just really pisses me off because I just want to be like, hey, motherfucker, you think you could just come in here and do well with right. your obviously stolen jokes, you piece of shit? Like, that's how. You see that a lot, especially at the ACC, Mike. Yeah. It, it, a lot of these people are so new, they probably don't even realize that they're doing a the wrong thing. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to go tell jokes. It's right. an open mic. I'm going to go tell jokes. That's I read true. a bunch of really good ones on Reddit. I'm going to go tell them. Like, no, that's yeah. not how it works, man. <laughs> so true. <laughs> people literally think that's like, what that's just something you can do uh, like it's like it's only an option to write your own jokes <laughs> like, right. so fucking dumb oh my god yeah but we're we're in agreement on we're we're in agreement on pretty much all this stuff it sounds let's go on to the uh, the final one from eric mickelson then Ooh. he says that steve allen once famously said tragedy plus time equals comedy agree or disagree so this really comes down to is like how long after september 11th was it funny to joke about it i think that's the yeah, best i was gonna say to me it's almost like when you're a comic the less the less time the better <laughs> like, <laughs> well it depends <laughs> are you doing an open mic or are you doing a booked show because if that, you're doing an open mic that 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 wound can be still bleeding and, yeah and you can get a laugh on it yeah but on like a paid show with like a paying audience of oh yeah people. they'll pull back so hard <laughs> but like but it's the best comics in the world that are able to have like no downtime basically and then and then come up with come up with jokes oh when it, when it, whenever there's a tragedy in the world i immediately go to jeselnik's twitter account to see to see his yeah. take on it Tony Hinchcliffe had a great Kobe joke. He was like, Kobe pa- Kobe passed. I don't believe in. <laughs> That's the perfect. It's perfect. It's a I perfect remember you, you, you told that to me, uh, like, it was probably a week or two, like, when everybody's still reeling from the Kobe thing. We were talking yeah. about how, uh, who's that guy? Ari Shafir. Who, oh, yeah. Whatever about that guy. We were talking about all the people do- doing, uh, hating on kobe basically and you told me that and i i laughed like without like because laughs are involuntary you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's just a good fucking joke yeah it's a great joke (laughs) and this was like this was like still like this is like i don't even know if they buried him yet you know but like that's a what are you gonna do it's a six word it's a six word joke dude as tight as you can get not a a bit of fat on that joke yeah kobe passed i don't believe it yeah yeah it's such a good joke and yeah jeselnik is for sure like the best example of that stuff like his twitter is so amazing and his stand-up and or podcast or whatever avenue he's using yeah but yeah i think i mean weirdly enough i think 
the initial reaction though outside of comedy is sort of when the jokes kind of come because that's when your your processing centers are like i can't process this in a legitimate way right now so i'm gonna make jokes about it mm-hmm. over time is when more of the kind of like realities of the situation might set in maybe and then you feel like more reflective about it but that's just for me personally no i think you're right yeah i think uh I don't know. I think the benchmark is really 9-11, but I remember hearing uh, like Jim Norton and, and those guys talking about performing comedy in New York right after 9-11, like right after the shit happened. And like the, the, the minute they were able to get back yeah. in the comedy cellar or Caroline's or wherever they were doing it. And he said, yeah. you know, they were going in there and doing like horrendous 9-11 jokes and just crushing with it because everybody in the audience just wanted to fucking laugh about it yeah like there's still like fucking smoke in the sky from the fucking towers coming down and they're they're Uh, in the comedy cellar talking shit it's like man uh, comedy's all right man dude that is seriously why comedy is like the best shit ever and why it's like this whole people that don't do it trying to cancel comics shit just like not understanding right the avenue that it presents for the comic themselves and for the people that are watching. That's what I was, I was kind of getting to earlier when I was talking about that first mic I went to with, with Vince and, you know, like he goes out there in a wheelchair and like the comic just shits on him and says some horrendous wheelchair joke. Then he goes out and hits him back twice as hard and everybody's fucking laughing. And I was like, <laughs> man, on. this scene is some fucking amazing. We got we, like, we, we got a dude, a wheelchair over here. We got, people all different races and genders and like everybody's just talking shit to everybody and nobody's yeah. mad about it you know what i mean yeah. nobody's upset everybody's talking shit it's fucking beautiful totally i do think though that you know the thing about comedy is that it's pretty self-regulating like when you go too far the audience will tell you unless you're the kind of person that's like owen benjamin or whatever his name is and you have like this mm-hmm. fucking crony following of like idiots that are just like I'm just here to hear the most offensive things you could think of or whatever. Cause I support right. that. It's like, okay, well you guys don't fucking count. But he, he, he used to be a pretty solid comic. I don't that's know. What I, that's I, what I heard. I heard it's only recently that he's kind of gone off of the, like, I don't know, whatever. Some well, I haven't, I haven't seen any of his stand up recently. I've just seen his crazy ass YouTube videos and his like yeah. weird, like six mile stare with his eyes. Like he's got that, <laughs> he's got that, con- he's got that Kanye West look in his eye. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where, where it's like, Ooh, something's off. There's an, there's an imbalance. You need help dog. Something happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the other thing too. I, I just want people to know that for the most part, comics are like really good people. I think. Like, good-hearted people. <laughs> I really think they are. I think they're really broken people, but I think they're they're pretty emotionally intelligent and, like, pretty, like, I don't know, most of them are really liberal, I would say. Like, a decent, like, definitely a majority of them. Not to say that means they're good people, but I don't know. Typically, I think if you have more of, like, a... It's a different kind a of liberal, though. Heart, yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, But, like... I just think if you don't do comedy, maybe before you completely judge a group of people, if something seems like off to you or something, I don't know, watch a documentary or something. Try to like understand the condition of someone that would dedicate their life to this thing that makes it so you can't really have a family, you can't really have friends, you can't really have a normal life at all and try to understand like what would lead a person to live that kind of life and to like even be able to say and think of the shit that they think and say. Guys, it's way more fun than she just described it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clearly very depressed. 
Like, <laughs> you got a doggo. Tell everybody about Coco. I, I got Coco. <laughs> she's so sweet. She's a lab pit mix and she's the fucking best. And she's passed out and sleeping right now and she has tapeworms. But aside from that, she's uh <laughs> she's great. She's fucking rad. And she has opened my heart in ways I didn't know it needed opening. Well, oh, I did yeah. know it needed opening. I just didn't think anything could pry it open. But then you uh, got a puppo. Yeah. yeah, I got a puppo. She's so cute. Her head is on my sweaty foot right now as we speak, actually. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, you want to wrap it up? Yeah. I think we covered everybody's uh, warm-ups, didn't we? Yeah, I think yeah so. totally. Awesome. There's some warm-ups we didn't get to. That's actually the case every week. But we will. We try to get to every person <laughs> that submitted them. At Eric, least. Did you see Eric's, Eric's funny, the king? <laughs> Eric's funny comment. He's like, I don't know how you guys choose which topics to select out of the fire hose i send you yeah. i wasn't trolling with the cheese thing <laughs> we know eric we're just fucking with you thanks, thanks for writing in. yeah seriously did you say thanks for hanging out no thanks for writing in but uh, thanks oh, for hanging God. out i was like yes use the catchphrase <laughs> <laughs> all right hanging out let's meet yeah up. but yeah seriously everybody um if you if you have it in your hearts, consider checking out our Patreon and getting in on the fun. Our I Disagroupies page on Facebook is kind of turning into a cool space where people are starting to like post topics that they disagree with, like agree or disagree, and they're like posing their own sort of discussion threads and that's that's been fun to like mm-hmm. pop in and see too. And and I would love like yeah, we would love for this to be a legitimate group of I was gonna say intellectuals, but who are we kidding? That's not what this is. <laughs> just groups of people that are hanging out and just want to, like, you know, um, yeah, talk about shit and laugh and whatever. Uh, but yeah, please, please consider checking us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash I disagree podcast. We are, you know, self funded outside of the the patronage that we currently have and you're you're like literally every dollar helps it, it's mm-hmm. super super helps and uh it's arguably the only reason we're able to even like continue producing it in quarantine right now so that is a fact yeah and we're able to pay everybody for the work that they do uh which is just one person currently <laughs> our editor mac who's the best thank you well we, we have a software company we have to pay we have an editor we have to pay we have a oh yeah 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 no there's de- yeah please don't take that as there being no other costs <laughs> there's definitely a fuck ton of other costs that go into a podcast um but yeah labor labor wise i mean but yeah Point is, thanks guys yeah yeah <laughs> thanks all right you have any final thoughts nope i think we covered it cool that was fun Hell yeah you're a good dude, Steve. Thank yeah, you. You're, you're, you're a good egg, Jordan. Hell yeah. Eggs. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey! Bye now. Bye.